and we've been in the last couple of weeks we've been talking about like why are you here on this earth like why are you um what were you created for what were you designed for what is our better question maybe is what is our purpose in life right like what is our purpose and what i always tell people is that well it depends um it starts with a universal purpose that we talked about in week one which was to know god everybody say know god because you and i won't know your individual purpose until you get connected to your collective purpose which is your spiritual purpose under the Lord. You were designed, you were created. So since you were designed and you were created by a creator, he had a purpose for you. So it'd be, you living your life without God would be like trying to live your life without purpose. And so our purpose in life, the first one we talked about in week one was to know God. Second to knowing God was to be in relationship and finding your family that you and I are, we talked about last week, are created and uniquely wired to be connected to each other. It's why when you get into a big crowd at a concert, have you ever done that? You don't even, you ever been to a concert or a place you didn't even, you don't even really like the artist, but you get around them, like your wife dragged you to come see like, you know, a pink concert or your husband grabbed you to go see like a, you know, like, hey, go see a Metallica show. And you're like, what is going on? But you get around them, right? What happens? All of a sudden you feel the energy right? And you start singing the song. You don't even know what you're singing. You're, you're, you're screaming when they're screaming. You're crying when they're crying. Well, there's a collective energy because, man, we're all designed to be connected to each other. And that you and I have this, like, it's weird. It, it's why when the pandemic happened, we didn't have just a health crisis. We had an emotional crisis. We had a spiritual crisis. We had a relational crisis. It was like we took a bunch of people who were designed to be together we told them they couldn't be together. And then we said, it's gonna be okay. Guess what? It wasn't okay. Why? Because you were designed to connect. Today, I'm gonna to talk about our third purpose today, under God. And if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one is where we're going to be. And we're using this as our like life verse. Um, and so, by the way, if you're a guest, you gotta come back three times. Remember say three times? Yeah, you gotta come back because we don't always celebrate five years. I don't always cry. And um, you got to come back and get a taste of the, of the secret sauce. Because we really believe God's doing something unique here. And my prayer is that you would come back a few times and hopefully we could be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review, do something in the chat. Say happy five year. Put the little emoji with the, you know, the streamers. And, uh, and, but if you're, I always tell people if you're watching online, if you're local and you're sick, um, man, we're so happy that you'll be able to check us out. If you're traveling, we're so happy you're able to check us out. But if you're local and everything's fine, you need to come to church. You need to get back in the habit of coming to church. You're like, pastor's early and stuff like that. We got an 1115 service. Get ready right now. You can make it. You can make it. And uh, make sure you're here inside service. But Ephesians chapter 1. I gave some context to the letter that Paul was writing. Ephesians is found in the New Testament. And Paul was writing a letter to a church at Ephesus called Ephesians. The letter is called Ephesians. The epistle is called Ephesians. And most of his letters, like Romans and Corinthians and Galatians, he's correcting theology. He's kind of a unique guy because he planted those churches. He's the pastor. So he can kind of correct the theology. Hey, I know y'all think this about God, but God's really like this. But Ephesians was different. The overarching theme of Ephesians, most scholars believe, was actually not theology correction. It was actually 
helping them find their purpose. And so he kind of outlines this in Ephesians chapter one. He kind of starts the verse with the, the book with it. He says, I keep asking of the God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit and wisdom of revelation. Now, some of y'all have been here for three weeks. I've asked you to be here for five weeks and you've heard this now three times. Really pay attention this time. To know him better. That's our first one, week one. And I pray that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That was week two last week. Your eyes of your heart need to be enlightened. What he was saying is your feelings need to be care- you be careful you're with your feelings because they determine where you go. They determine how you do. They determine the things that you take part in. You've got to be careful with your feelings because they're not always facts. And the only way you can fix your feelings, you can, the only way you can correct the eyes of your heart is you get around people. That's why we talked about finding your family. You find healing with other people. James talked about it. James said you confess sins to God for your salvation. He's the only one who can take care of that. Thank you, Jesus. But you confess your sins one to each other for your healing. So it could be that you're, you don't have a prayer problem. You just have a direction problem. You're praying, to the, you're praying for the wrong thing to the wrong thing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? It's like, I got to confess. Got to get it out. And he goes on the third one. He says, in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you, that's today, and the riches of the glorious inheritance of his people. Today, what, if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about um, discipleship. Discipleship. If you're taking notes, discipleship. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I'm so grateful for you. I'm honored that we're part of this church. You started this church. You started the church, the local church, which is the hope of the world. And Rise is just an offshoot of that. What a, what a, what a blessing that we could be in a church that's free, open, and holy. I ask you, God, right now to do something unique today. Just, I don't know, would you show off a little bit on our five-year anniversary? I hope that's not too much. Get me out of the way. Help us make much of you, Jesus. It's your church. These are your people. Bless this time in Jesus' name. And everybody say, amen, amen, amen. amen. Um, how many of y'all work out? Come on, my workout buddies. Come on, anybody work out? Raise your hand. Come on, you got to work out like you got. Show me your arm right now. You got to, yeah, pastor, I work out. Where's the gym at? This way or that way? Right? If you work out, you know that you can't just walk into a gym just start clanging iron. You got to walk in the gym with some purpose. You got to walk in the gym like you know what you're doing, even if you don't, because the worst thing is, is to walk into a gym and be like looking around, you know, while you got all the muscle dudes and they'd be on the bench press and the ladies be on the ellipticals and, you know, we just, you got to go in knowing what you're doing. And for many years, when I went to a gym, if I'm honest, that's kind of what I did, but I faked it really good, faked it really good. And what I realized what I needed was kind of direction. I needed someone to help me out. Matter of fact, when I, I used to be 325 pounds. When I lost over 130 pounds of it, I had a, a personal trainer. He kind of showed me what to do, right? Gave me the, the workout regimen, gave me what I need to do, what I need to not do. And so recently, about a couple of years ago, I joined a, a CrossFit gym. And I loved, I loved it because it was, I just showed up, they told me what to do, I suffered, and I went home. <laughs> and some of y'all like to go to the gym and talk and hang out and congregate, relate. I want to go to the gym and leave as fast as humanly possible. You know, I would go to the gym before I went to CrossFit and I would meet people and they'd be like, hey, pastor, and I can't be mean because I'm the pastor. 
But I put my headphones in. I have my head hoodie on. I got everything. I'm doing everything I can to be locked in and zoned in primarily because I just don't really care for the gym. But I got into CrossFit primarily because he told me what to do. Now in CrossFit, there's times to go. There's the 5 a.m. class. There's the 6 a.m. class. There's the 8.30 a.m. class. There's the 1 o'clock class, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 9 o'clock. You got all these sessions to show up. You can't just show up and start working out. You got to go at a class time. So I started at 8.30 a.m. That was my class, my CrossFit class. Started it up, enjoyed it a lot. That be my class. We are those people. They come in. We all kind of relate, connect together. What I didn't realize was that other classes at different times had different kinds of people. What I realized, well, kind of by accident, that other classes, a little easier, other classes a little harder. Now, here's what's interesting. It's the same workouts, but they're a little different. I'll give you an example. About four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago now, I was leaving out of town. And I couldn't go to my typical 8.30 a.m. class. So what I decided to do was go to the 6 a.m. class. And so I got up at 5 o'clock, wiped the eye boogers out, put the contacts in, get my gym clothes on, and I drive to the gym. Show up 5.45. They're already there. I should have known at that moment I was in trouble. So I walk in and I realize these people don't look like the people at 8.30. <laughs> they look differently. They, and I'll just describe them to you. They don't look like me. They look like people who have been taking supplements. <laughs> they have been working out for a long periods of time. They go to the tanning salons. They, they don't even really need to wear shirts, to be quite honest with you. I could see their six-pack through their, their sweatshirts they're wearing. <laughs> to summarize, they were muscular, right? Like, and they were doing things on bars that I, have never, I didn't know the body could do. And I walked in, and I, I was intimidated. But... At the end of the day, I got some muscles. You want to get it on? Let's get it on. So I go to my box. They call it a box. It's a square. And I stand in the square, stand in my box. And the coach comes out. And he's like, y'all ready? And they were doing things and saying things. And there was an energy. And I'm like, yeah, boy, let's go. Let's go. And so they, they had a workout with a bar, and, uh, and so they said, okay, put the workout here. It was, it was, I think it was called a clean and jerk, and it was, you pull it up, correct me if I'm wrong, if I don't do this right, but it, they, you pull it up, and you clean it, boom, right here, just boom, and then you jerk it up, and I was like, oh, it's on, so I went and grabbed my plates. I put my tens on either side. And I was like, yeah, boy. Everybody's putting their 45s, 245, 345s on the side. And I was like, hey, I was like, I got tens right here. The guys looked at me. They looked at me. One dude walked over and said, that's it? 
And I said, I'm just not working. I'm warming up, warming up. You right, you right. So I went, what what do you think I did? What do you think I did? Nobody's going to punk. Arnold's not going to punk me. That's fine. So I went and grabbed a couple of 45s. 145, 245. I put another one on this side. 145, 245. And I felt like I was right below the people, what they were doing, but I was at least respectable. So they said, go. So I went to the bar, went, and I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, ah. And I got stuck, and I looked up, and I was about to give, I promise you, I was about to let it go and be like, this is ridiculous, Aaron. Wisdom says let it go. And I stopped, I looked up, and a guy looks at me and says, and he, he did this. The coach did this. You better pick that up. <laughs> Stop being a punk, you know, said other words. So he was like, I was like, like ah! and I started screaming, right? And I did put, boom, boom, boom. And I did the workout. Yeah, you're welcome. I don't know how to say this, but like, for the rest of the day, my body couldn't function. <laughs> like I was shaking. Like, have you ever gotten so bad? Have you ever, ever worked out so bad where you had involuntary shakes? I was laying in my, my bed shaking like this. My wife's like, what's wrong with you? Stop it. And I was like, I can't stop it. I can't stop it. And then the next day, you know, that was worse. If y'all ever worked out before where you sat on the toilet, and can I be weird about it? Where you sat and it just hurt right here. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. The, and then I thought it was over. Day two came. It's worse day two. And I remember thinking like, I remember thinking like these guys, I go to the 8.30 a.m. The, I call it the recreational CrossFit league. I went to the competitive that like, you know, we, we live CrossFit nature, didn't even know I was in there. And I got messed up. I got hurt. I paid for it for a long time. And I went back to the 830 class and they were like, hey, where were you? We missed you. You know, and I got to be honest, most of the people that come to 830 are like over 70 ladies. <laughs> I should have known. And they'd be like, you know, I'm their grandsons. And they're like, pastor, come pray for us. I'm trying to talk the 830 crowd, you know, the crowd to put like a smoothie bar in the corner, you know, like they won't do it. But they, they want to do it at 830. It's the 536 a.m. classes. They'd be screwing things up for all of us. So, so what I realized when I went into the gym that day, I was looking at somebody else and what they were doing, because I was looking at somebody else and what they were doing, I missed out on what I should have been doing. And as a matter of fact, I kind of started out right. I don't know if y'all do this, but I started out like I knew, I'm gonna stay with what I know what I can do. And somebody, like they, they just, I'm like, I could do that. That looked cool, let me try. And, I, and it pushed me away from what I was supposed to do and just what somebody else was doing. And it wound up hurting me. And I remember talking to my wife, and she goes, Aaron, who are you? 
because she was, you know, because when I get hurt, she's got to take care of me. So she's like, I got to help you out because I'm tired of this nonsense. She goes, who are you? And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, are you a CrossFitter? Like, is that who you are? And I said, I don't know. She goes, what do you like to do? I said, I like to golf. I like to golf. I couldn't golf for two weeks after that. I like to golf. I was mad. And she goes, so you're not a CrossFitter who golfs. You're a golfer who CrossFits. That's who you are. So when you go back into the gym next time, you do you. Regardless of who's around you, regardless who's winning, right, who's posting great scores, who's got muscles on their muscles, like who cares about that? You be you. You're a golfer who CrossFits. Now, here's why that's interesting for all of us. Most of us in life live that way, the way that I did it. So what happens is God will even get, some of us, we, it's not that we didn't hear from the Lord about what we should be doing. Is that you got around doing, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And in the grind of what you're doing, you see someone else who's doing something flashier and it convinces you that what you're doing is wrong. And when you do what they're doing, now what, now you're stuck in doing what they're doing and what their purpose was. And because you're not following your purpose, you get hurt in the process. And the interesting thing about life is that it's not the gym. It's life. And you can waste, I wasted a couple of weeks, we can waste years chasing someone else's dream. You're trying to squat and clean and jerk somebody else's weight that you weren't claimed, you weren't graced, you weren't given. You weren't given that. And so because we don't know our purpose, we'll miss it. So here's why you're called, number three, to discipleship. First week was relationship, second week was fellowship. This week you're called, your third purpose is discipleship. You're on this earth to develop our purpose. Discipleship is developing our purpose. It's important because you don't wanna, we don't wanna waste our purpose. We, we don't want to miss our purpose. And you, because you have a purpose, it needs to be developed. No one gets anywhere overnight. Every overnight success takes years, by the way. And because of that, you need to know the steps on how to actually develop your personal purpose. There's things inside of you. There's, there's goals inside of you. There's, there's dreams inside of you. There's, there's talent inside of you. There's ways to do things inside of you. God has given you something to do, and you've got to learn how to do it. Otherwise, you'll miss it, you'll waste it, or you'll waste your life doing somebody else's purpose, which is the worst, because it always hurts you. So the Bible has something to say about that. Hebrews chapter... 12 says something unique. He says, let us, this kind of highlights a way for us to develop our purpose. He says, this is found in the New Testament. He says, let us strip off everything that slows us down and holds us back, especially those sins that wrap us so tightly around the feet and trip us up. Let us run with patience in particular race that God has set before us. Verse two, keep your eyes on Jesus, our leader and instructor. He was willing to die a shameful death on the cross because of the joy he who knew would be his afterwards. And now he sits in the place of honor by the throne of God. Verse three, if you want to keep from becoming faint-hearted and weary, if you want to keep from giving up, think about his patience as sinful men did terrible things to him. Verse 12, let's jump. So take new 
a, a new grip with your tired hands. Stand firm on shaky legs, Number verse 13, and mark out straight, smooth paths for your feet so that those who will follow you, those through weak, the weak and lame will not fall and hurt themselves, but become strong. How do you develop your purpose? It's found in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to highlight four steps real quick. If, you have your, if you're taking notes and you're not taking notes, you should. I say no takers, history makers. I know it's cheesy, but it works. So ways to develop your purpose. Number one is this. Um, the Bible says, simplify your life. Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us strip off anything that slows us down. In order to run the race that God has for you, to lift the weight God has for you, to be in a job God has for you, to be in the marriage God has for you, to be the parent God has for you, to live the life God has for you, you and I got to learn to strip away things because culture would say, add, 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 plus, 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 Disney plus, Apple plus, Hulu plus. It doesn't matter. Like there's no negative. There's no, hey, if you want to do it, you're best in life, take some stuff out. Has anybody ever heard that before on social media? No. Because everybody's trying to tell you the reason you don't have what you have, what you want in your life is because you haven't added enough to your life yet. And the Bible says something interesting. He starts off with, actually, you should strip some stuff back. I was uh, several years ago, several, several years ago, I thought about being a runner. Our executive pastor here, Pastor Jason, is a runner. I'm so jealous because he's a runner. He's like an actual runner. He runs marathons. And I'm like, I wish I could do that. I can't. I'm not, I just, I can't. I just, I tried. But I went into it full, full on one time. And I was doing some research about running. Now, I might have looked at a dumb website, but this website looked like he knew what he was talking about, this guy. And I'm like, I'm going to read what he has to say. So he's, you know, talking about drinking water and, you know, eating certain things and getting the right shoes. And then he gets to this part where he goes, listen, um, attire matters. Attire, like not a, a car tire, attire matters. He goes, what you wear matters. Cause you don't, he's talking about drag and, you know, wind resistance and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm down with that. You start talking about clothes, I'm in it. Like, I'm in it. I go to the mall, I can buy new things, great. So I'm like starting to figure out what I need to wear, right? So I go down to the store, this running store. I did. I went to this running store. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm about, I'm about to be a runner. I'm about to be with y'all, you know? And it's like, great. They're so happy. They're so kind. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm like, so I want the best running shorts out there. I want the best. I want the best socks. I want the best shoes. But let's start with shorts. He goes, okay. He goes, you want to do this for real? I'm like, for real. And he goes, now, are you serious? I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, I'm in this. He goes, I got you. Goes to the back, pulls out his best running shorts. I said, can you get the men's running shorts, please? <laughs> he said, no, those are what you want. I said, there's no short. These are underwear. I'm, I'm nervous to wear these around my wife, let alone public streets. And he goes, no, that's what you want, man. 
You got to get everything off of you so that when you run, you can run fast. I said, if that's running, I'm out. Walked out the store. Walked out the store. But his, his principle was right. Because what he was saying was, he goes, look, you don't want to go run around with a parka. I've never seen anybody run a marathon in a parka. Never seen them run around with like, hey, let's figure out how much clothing I can put on. And then I'm going to run my race. But that's how we live our life. It's funny because what we'll do is we'll say, let's put so much on ourselves and then expect from yourself great performance in life. It's not the way that it works. And I think the writer of Hebrews was trying to hint to us something. Hey, before we even start this thing called a race, make sure you're not carrying things that you shouldn't carry in the race. So let me just give you a couple of trips that happen with this type of clutter. It's like, we got to get rid of unnecessary weight, areas of clutter. Let me give you one area that we can do that in, a couple of areas. Number one is our calendar. Like, can we be honest in here? If you were to, I, like, if you were to audit your calendar right now, there, if I, never mind, you can't audit it because you put it in there. So let's say you had somebody objective come and look at your calendar and you ask them, hey, I need you to get rid of some errors. Do you think I have too much in my calendar? Would they say yes or would they say no? Because here's what's funny. You can justify everything in your calendar, can't you? Oh, no, I got to be there. Oh, you don't understand. I have to be at that time. No, 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 no. You can't take that out. I got to go to that party. No, you don't understand. If I don't show up here, then this will happen. And if, if I don't do this party and I don't go to this thing for my job, and if I don't work these hours, and if I don't do this, then if I don't, I, you don't know what's going to happen. And you can live your life in a whole lot of fear. Or you can do what the Bible says and live with faith. And what's interesting is I can tell your level of faith based on your calendar. Because some of us treat our job like it's the source of your life. Your job is not your source. God is your source. Your job might be the funnel from your source. But you think that because you work 80 hours a week and you say it you for your kids... Well, your kids don't see you. I'd rather you live in a smaller home and they see you than they live in a mansion and never see you. So don't ask me to look at your calendar after church. You already know what kids' activities you have to stop. I'll give an example of my life. And I'm not saying I do this right all the time, so please don't hear that. But I'm just committed to seeing my children. So you cannot get a hold of me on Fridays. And then people have tried. Because I've said it before from the platform. Hey, you want to come hang out? No. Well, you don't like me? Love you. Love my kids more. And oh, no. We, all, we I have five children. Five boys. Only three of them play sports. Don't you love your other two? Love them to death. Can't do anymore. Y'all hear what I'm saying? 
Like, you can't say this crazy word. No. Not doing that. How about time wasters in your calendar? This is great for me. So I'm like, hey, what do you, like, where do you spend your time? Honestly, I don't got any time. I got like no time. I got like no time. And I bet if I went to your screen time, because now you're being checked. Now it's logged. I can go to your screen. Like, let's go right now. Let's go right now. I'm, I want to know how long you were on Instagram. And you're like, five minutes. And you go look at it. Go look at it. Let's do a fun experiment right now. Pull out your phone. This is going to be good. I'm going to convict all y'all. And that's not even going to be for me. It's going to be from you. Just pull it out. Come on. Make fun. Come on. I, I know it's tough. I know. You're going to feel it. It's going to be really good. All right, y'all. Let me see your phone. Show me your screen. Show it to me so I can know you have it out. Come on. Follow the pastor's word. Jesus is looking at you. Okay, great. Okay, good. Open it up. Let's open together. Let's open together. Let's all be convicted together. Go to this thing called settings. Settings. Go to settings. Go to settings. No, just do it. Come on. It's all good. Go to settings. And then hit screen time. And then just hit screen time. Settings, screen time. And if you don't have an iPhone and you're in an Android world, you are already messed up. So I don't even know how to do that. I don't think Android even does that. So we'll just, let's not even think about it. And so we're going to see all app and web activity. And I want you to look at the week. What's at the top? And if you scream out Bible, I'm just, you're a liar. I'm just telling you you're lying. You are lying right now. How long is it? Come on. Like, so don't tell me. All right, now look at me. I gave you enough time. Look at me. Close it. Turn it off. Turn it off. Because you're already looking at other things. Some of y'all jumped on Facebook right now. <laughs> Pastor making me look at my screen time. I'm out of this church. You don't have time because you didn't manage your time well. Not because you don't have it. So you got to find ways to say no. Put some limits on your phone. Good, healthy advice. Guys, give your phone to your wife. Make her make a password for the screen time. Have her set the limit, and then you, you can't do anything about it. You get to the end of your 25 minutes, and that's it. You're going to have to find out the score some other way. <laughs> Just a thought. Areas of clutter. Second is Finances. Is your, this is a good question to ask. Is your financial plan helping you develop your purpose? Do you invest in your personal development? If I looked at your bank account online, if you pulled it up, how much of it would be towards your books that you're investing into yourself, conferences you're going to grow yourself, counseling that you spend money on to develop your family and your, your wife and your kids and your life? By the way, you spend money on things that are valuable. Well, I, I can't afford counseling. Divorce is much more expensive. I've seen it. You don't, you don't want that. I, I know a lot of people who would have been like, I would have invested a million dollars, didn't have to deal with a split family. Learning how to simplify our life. Number three, relationships. Are the people in our lives helping us develop your purpose? If Satan can't kill you, he likes to distract you. And he loves to distract you with dumb people. So all of us, including myself, have some people you need to cut on out. Hey, thank you for your contribution to my life. I'm pulling out of the 6 a.m. class at CrossFit. <laughs> the coach showed up. He goes, why don't you come anymore? Thank you for the contribution to my life. 
I will not be with you any longer. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Not coming back. Because if he can't kill me, he's going to distract me. All these things give us what's called margin. You need margin to win. Simplify your life. Number two, be patiently effective. Hebrews chapter 12, let us run with patience the particular race God has set before us. So Hebrews is saying, hey, you want to get to your purpose? You got to learn to run. You got to learn to be patient in your running. You got to run with patience, not be lazy with patience. You saw patience and you're like, you got to sit and wait. Sit and wait. You got to sit and wait. I got to be patient. What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Just being patient. Just waiting on the Lord. You don't know what that statement even means. You don't even know what that statement means. He said, run with patience. You got to run with purpose quickly and effectively. It reminds me of a value we have here at Rise called urgency. It's a value here. We say, we, we have urgency. When we have our little tagline, we turn it all the way up. So if you come into our church and you want to be a leader, and I like, say like one of your leaders goes, hey man, can you grab that over there? And this is what you, you stuck on Mosey. Yeah, I got you. Nothing drives me crazier than people who say, I wish I could be used and you lazy. No, you're lazy. You got no passion. You, you don't walk with endurance or patience. You stand with patience. In fact, you seem to go backwards with patience. And then you have the audacity, the audacity to come to me and say, you Want to be used. No, run. I coach my, well, I don't coach. I'm a parent at my kid's baseball game, but I believe I'm a coach. And so sometimes when I drop my kids off, I'm like, hey, put your baseball bag down right there. And moms, I don't, y'all don't get this. I think you guys all think we're mean to our kids. Like, do you think dads are mean to, no, they need a stinking run. So I told him, I said, when you walk out onto the baseball field, you run. You, you run on the baseball field. We use this word called hustle. So I tell my sons, hey, go out there and you're, on, you're in left field. And they start doing this. <laughs> I mean, hey, boy, you better run. You ain't getting a, a ride home tonight. No food for you. Run. He comes back, he's like, well, why do I have to run? Because when we do stuff, son, we do stuff on purpose. It matters how you do it. I'm glad you got it accomplished, but you took forever to do it, and so it annoyed the daylights out of me, and I wound up finding somebody who at least had some passion about doing something, and he might have did it wrong, but at least he ran to it. I can work with a racehorse. I can't. I'm tired of slapping a donkey. And I wanted to say the other word. It's in the King James Bible. <laughs> first Corinthians chapter nine. This is your first moment. I don't know. I had a little something in me today. It's five years. It is what it is. 
it says, all athletes practice self strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that they fade away, but we do it, we, we do it for an eternal prize. So he goes, this is why he goes, so I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. Wake up with purpose in every step. You want to do something with your life? You want to develop your purpose? Wake up with purpose in every step. Stop moping. Stop crying. Stop asking people to help you. Get up and go do it. You are on your way if you just move quickly. Timing matters. Passion matters. You don't get a participation trophy in the kingdom. Go do something. By the way, there is a judgment seat in heaven that's specifically designed to see what you did in God's name. Go look it up. It's called the Bama seat. It's not whether or not you get into heaven. It's like you got through and now we're trying to find out, did you do well with what God gave you? Or did you wake up every day sulking and feeling sorry for yourself? Come on. I want to work with people who got passion You want to develop your purpose? Come get me. I'd rather tell you, stop asking me than me wonder if you're alive. I'm a little passionate about that one. Number three, have daily focused time on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 says, keep your eyes on Jesus, our leader, our instructor. Why is that the problem is so important? Because you become what you spend most time with. It's why you, as a parent, tell your kids, don't be hanging around with turkeys. You're an eagle. Sore. Whatever way you want to say it. Stop hanging around the people that are pulling you back. Family included. By the way, just so, you're, just so we're aware, just so we're clear why spiritual family is so important, that was a Jesus thing. Jesus had a moment with his people and his disciples. They come up and they say, hey, your mother and your brother and your sister, they're over here. And it was his natural mom. And he goes, Jesus goes, who are my mother and my brother? Who? Who are you talking about? You think Jesus was being disrespectful to his parents? No. He was clarifying the, the, listen, listen, this is important. The importance of spiritual family. Because then he goes on to say, the people who do the work of the ministry, the work of my father, those are my mothers and brothers and sisters. and That's my family. So you are free. And please don't turn this around and make it what it's not. Because you'd be like, well, I was happy to tell my cousin Joe. I'm tired of talking to you. Pastor told me. No, I'm telling you, the people who are pulling you back if they're pulling you back, why do you have them in your life? Well, I do it in the name of love. Love does not mean access. I taught it before. You can love someone from a distance. I love a whole lot of y'all from a distance. <laughs> love you, man. You awesome. You want to hang out? No. No. You're unhealthy. You're unhealthy. You're unhealthy. When I get around you, I become unhealthy. I'm not even a gossip, but when I get around you, I just start gossiping. You're unhealthy. 
You're mean to your wife. It makes me want to be mean to my wife. You're unhealthy. You don't love your kids. It makes me want to not love my kids. You're unhealthy. You have a terrible financial plan. You're unhealthy. You physically are unhealthy. So it makes me want to be unhealthy. And golly, you know I love some chicken wings and fried chicken, but I can't be around you because every time I'm around you, I want to dip that in ranch and my body doesn't react well to it anymore. I lost my gallbladder and I'm trying to CrossFit. <laughs> You're unhealthy. Right? So, so because you become what you spend most time with, we got to spend most intentional time with Jesus. Here's why. Not to get something from him, to get something with him. I got to be with him, Jesus. I got to, Emmanuel, God, with us. Like, what if you saw God as not a means to an end, but the end of himself? Like, what if he was the reason that just being in communication with him was the only thing? You want to get to your purpose. You want to make and win in this world. You got to be connected to Jesus in ways that you will never thought possible. It's not going to get easier in this life, by the way. Stop asking God to make life easy. You're going to have to get stronger. And the only way that you get stronger is you get connected to the one who's actually all-powerful. So, so... So you got to spend time with Jesus. My sons had to learn this. We had a great family friend. In fact, she was up here. Uh, she was on a picture. She helped plant um, our church. Her name was Linda Shantz and uh, worked with her. Pastor Jason knows her well. Good friends, Miss Rachel. Um, we uh, Tabby, those are a uh, wonderful woman of God. And um, she passed away right, um, right after our church launched. And she came and she, she was a part of our, our, our launch. I miss her. I miss her. And uh, she's supposed to be here today. She used to love my kids really well. And she had an office in our, our church that we worked at. And I'd bring my kids around, and um, they'd run into their office, and she Miss Linda! And Miss Linda would always have a, a, a drawer full of candy and just toys and stuff, you know, and all the stuff parents hate, you know. <laughs> She'd hand it to them. They'd give her big hugs. And I miss her. But I remember a conversation we had with our kids. We said, hey, we're going to go over to Miss Linda's house, Steve and Linda. We're going to go hang out with them. And they're like, oh, that's going to be awesome. We could get candy. And I remember telling him, I was like, no, no, no. We don't go to Miss Linda's to get candy. We go to Miss Linda because she's our friend. And in our friendship, we, we benefit from it. But we don't go there for that. We go there because she's our friend. You need to go to Jesus because he's your friend. He's your friend. And look, I'm not saying you can't ask Jesus for things. I'm just saying, do you always, is the reason you go to Jesus because of what he can do for you? Or is the reason you go to Jesus is because of who he is to you? I, I, would, I would hate that if all I went to my wife for was, I just want to kiss, and that's it. The only time I talk to you is when I want to kiss. Right? Or anytime she comes to me, she probably wouldn't want to kiss, maybe money. You know, hey, anytime you want money, you know or whatever, you know, like if, if you're in a relationship with someone and they feel like they're only there to 
give you things, it feels manipulative. It's not family. That's not covenant. That's contract. So we got to focus on God and not his stuff. Last one is this, and I'm done. Don't give up. Hebrews 12, 3 says, if you want to keep from becoming faint-hearted and weary, think about his patience as sinful men did such terrible things to him. You know why we don't give up in life? It's because Jesus never gave up. And one of the most spiritual things you can do right now, listen to me, this is good for somebody right now because you're, at, you're looking for a, an answer to your problem. I'm going to tell it to you right now. You all ready? In your situation, the most spiritual thing you can do right now is endure. Just hang on. Well, pastor, I need a word. That's your word. Hang on. Well, I need him to show up. He's coming. Hang on. Well, I need him to do a miracle. He will. Hang on. Well, it's not happening right now. I don't see him. I don't feel him. He'll be there. Hang on. Strength to a Christian to hang on is our weaknesses given to God to allow his strength to work through me. So I know you don't feel like you can or you're strong enough to do it. But that's when we lean into the Lord so that we can hang on. That's strength to you and I. That's what a strong Christian is. It's not a Bible memorizer. It's a Jesus follower who just depends. God, I depend on you today. I'm not going to make it if you don't show up in this process. So you got to be my strength as I hang on. I got to endure this. And if I'm not here, you can't work through me. So I'm going to stay right here. And I'm going to give you something to work with. Life turns out to be like this. I, I kind of made a slide for us. It's, many times in life, we have what we can do, right? You, get, you, you, you have something that needs to get done. There's something that needs to get done. There's something you need to have. You have to get to this area of life, but you can only make it to right here. You, you only can give. I told somebody the other day, they can only give you what they have. And so you give everything you got, and you can only make it to here, and it's left with a gap. What Christians do is we rely and have faith to put God in the middle of the gap. He's got to fill the gap, and you keep trying to fill the gap with other things. And your effort, and your time, and your money, and people. No, God has to fill that gap. I know what needs to get done. He knows what needs to get done, and oftentimes God allows weakness so that we come to him and we say, God, I can't get there alone. And he says, I know, I know. And you're like, God, why are you smiling? He's like, no, this is so good because you're talking to me. Because you're talking to me. And guess what? I got no limitations. I can give you anything. And you're talking to me now. And we can work this thing out together. Let me fill the gap. That's what God wants. You can only do that if you don't give up. You're sitting. Can I prove it to you? Can I prove it to you? Can I prove it to you that this is work? That this works? I'll prove it to you. You ready? You're sitting in this. 
You're sitting in it. This wasn't my idea. I wanted to, I wanted to go be a campus pastor at a church in California. I liked the Carolinas. San Antonio was not on my list. I can't plan a church. I'm actually, I, can I be honest? Like if you ask me about planning, like when I, I coach church, I don't even know why they asked me to coach church planners. Because I actually don't think I'm very good at it. And you're like, well, look what you got. No, no, no. I, I feel like I can do well with what God gives us. But like, are you kidding? Bring something from nothing? I'm like, God, I can only give you 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. I can only give you what I got. I know what you're trying to do in here, but I can't do it all myself. He goes, I know, I know. You got to give it to me, Aaron, because once you give it to me, then look what I can do. Look what he can do. Look what he can do. You're sitting in it. You're sitting in it. All I had to do was just not give up. So he gave me a woman that wouldn't let me give up. I'm like, no, I'm done. You're not hearing me. I'm leaving, calling Pastor Jeff. Just know I'm done. She goes, that's fine. You can quit right now. Tomorrow you're rehired. We keep moving, right? Because we, we don't give up. Because Jesus didn't give up. We endure. We push through. We keep going. Look at me. Look at me. Look at, everybody look at me. Look at me. Keep going. Keep going. This is your word from the Lord. Keep going. Don't give up. Keep going. I know it's hard. Keep going. I know there's a lot you need to get done. Keep going. I know there's like frustrations that are coming up and things that you keep going. I know you're battling. Keep going. I know there's something in you that you see that God wants to do through you. And you're like, God, I know it's there, but it seems so hard. It seems like you're not. Keep going. I know you're in a marriage. It seems frustrating. Keep going. I know you're with your kids and you're wondering, are they going to come back to the Lord? Keep going. I know that like right now you're, you're trying to struggle to be a, a single mom. Keep going. I know that you have small kids and it's in a weird season of life. You got to keep going. I know your finances, they're not quite where you want them to be. I get it. You always feel like you're behind the game. Anybody feel like that? You feel like, man, the moment I seem to get ahead, something keeps to come right under me and take me out my legs. I get it. Keep going. Yes. Keep going. Because before you know it, you'll be sitting in a miracle. And what's so cool about right now is that I couldn't take credit for Rise if I wanted to. Like, I really want to because this is an amazing church. But you can't look at our story and say, well, it was all Pastor Aaron. You can't. And so I sit back and I go, God, this is so cool. I didn't have to do nothing. I just had to not give up and not die. This is great. This is great. And I know it's hard in the moment. I promise you, I've cried the tears. I felt the pain. I know what it feels like to feel hopeless and desperate and depressed. I was in depression. I know what anxiety feels like. I know what it's like looking at a counselor saying, you're not helping me. I know what it's like to feel like you're not going to make it out. I know what darkness looks like. I know what it feels like. I know what it tastes like. I know what the enemy says in those moments. I know how the devil works in those moments. I know how ugly it can get. I know how lifeless you can feel, but don't give up. You can be sitting in a miracle. Just give him time. Just give him time. And don't give up. I'm out of time. We got churros and photos and swag. Let's have a great day today in showing the goodness of God's miracle working power when you just don't give up. Let, let, let this church be an example to you for that principle. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. I thank you that today, God, you are a good God who loves his children, that wants the best for them. 
And I know that every aspect of our life, God, we are looking to you. We're looking for you. We're looking to be around you. Let that be for good things. Let that be just for you and you alone and not the things that you give us all the time. Lord, I pray that as we look to develop our purpose, our purpose comes in Jesus' name we pray.